Let's begin now. been a hiatus, but I promise I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. At least I say that. I know that I'm going to be here tonight, tomorrow, and Friday night, six to nine. Thursday, it'll be seven to nine because Vern and the uh, hot stove show. I'm a very bad teammate. Is this the first episode of the hot stove? I think so. Okay. So we're both bad teammates. If it isn't, if it isn't, yeah. You're Which right. we'll find out because Vern will join the show at 6.30 in case yeah. you missed him at 12.30 today. I'm pretty sure it is. Because I'm pretty sure Bink was on with Julio the whole time. Yeah, last Thursday. last Thursday? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, so we're good teammates. I think we're good. Okay. Chris Unicero, Dusty Likens with you. Um, have you heard the new nickname? Because you know that I got rid of the Dirty Werewolf. What, what's the new nickname? Crown Jewel. No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, let's take that one back to the. I didn't call myself. I didn't call myself that. Whoever invented that needs to take that back to the drawing board. It was uh, invented by five listeners, all females. Okay, that doesn't no. It adds up. Tell those ladies to to. I would never. I would never. It gives me a lot of like WWE vibes. I know. It's no. Yeah. It's not a good show. No. It's always the worst show of the year. Yeah. Well, tonight it's the best show of the of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Crown Jewel. Sounds very arrogant to call yourself that. It does. And I'm not that guy. It's super Some people arrogant. like, well. I'm the Crown Jewel. That's right, of, baby. Of Kansas City Sports Think about Radio. where we've came, though. Like, right? Think about where we've. What's your nickname? The Dirty Werewolf. Oh. I still think you should have just owned it. Like, I don't care. Don't, like, don't let, nah. don't let Chiefs of Holic ruin it for you. That guy sucks, man. I don't want to be affiliated don't, with that guy. Don't let it ruin it for you. No, no, no. He did. He did. Sometimes people ruin it for you. You should just just own it. Like, no, I was the dirty werewolf before he was Chiefs Hall. Like when some people tell me, like, that's a machine, first thing I think of is Sean Levine. <laughs> that's the sports machine. No, it's different. This is our working machine. Oh, oh no, never mind. Yeah. Crown Jewel. We're sticking with it, at least for now. Yeah, I'll never. Tell something else comes. I'll never. When you get a, you're still Dirty Werewolf in my phone. When you get a better nickname, I'll change it. It just comes in as Dirty Werewolf. Yeah, yeah, every time. Um, I did, uh, for the first time in my life, how many times, I'm interested in this, because you're not that much younger. I think you're like two years younger than I am. Are you 34? 33. 33. I'll be 34 in July. Okay, so you're technically like three years younger. Have you ever been to jury duty? So I've been summoned uh-huh. to jury duty twice, and both times they're like, "Yeah, we don't need you." So I've never actually been inside of the building and but gone through the jury the, duty process. But oh, like the first mean? time I went up there you and they the was like, and they said no. So the first time I did not. Mm-hmm. I went up there and it was like, "Yeah, you should have called the number. We're good. Nice." Go home. The second time I did, That's and it great. was like, you good, bro. Yeah. So I have never had a jury duty experience in my life. So this was, Tuesday was my fourth selection. So first time I got selected, I didn't really know the system. I was just kind of being like an average Joe, like nodding my head to everything. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm listening to these words. I have an opinion. I'm going to say it. And they were like, I got down to like the final 16. 
Oh, wow. Barely got cut. You was, you was making the cut. I mean, and not only that, you know, me, talkative. Like, they were like, you yeah. could be our our, uh, our guy, yeah. our head juror. You thought you was going to be the head? They Hell make no, the head dude. I, 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 I went in there with a plan like, all right, I got to tell myself, like, I got to stand on one side or the other. This is yeah. a really brutal case. Yeah. Second time I got called in, same thing, but I was a step ahead. But this was like a family suing a doctor, and they won, and I was like, nah, I can't really decide how much a family member's life is worth. That's just how I stand. And they're like, all right, see you later. The next time I got called in was during COVID. Well, it was like right after the shutdown, and they were like, have you been out in public? Have you done these things? Have you worn a mask all the time? Have people you been around? I was like, yes, no, yes. And they're like, you know what? Stay home. He was like, yeah, I was around a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, bro. I've been, I had a party last week. I work like... in the service industry. I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm around 15 to 20 yeah. people a minute. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, this time got called in again and the greatest day of my life. So we're there. We watched the dumb George Brett. I don't know if you've ever seen this. They have a George Brett video from 19, like 91. They've yet to update it. Brian Busby looks like he's 25. That's not an insult to his age. I just know that he's probably at least close to 60 now. He's definitely in his 60s. Right? You'll see him during the NBA Finals when there's, like, severe weather. You know it's coming. Yeah. It's always there. Oh, Brian he's going to break in, he's gonna break in during the Western oh, Conference yeah. Finals. He's going to let you know that uh, there's a storm system coming down here yeah, from Nebraska. Oh, yeah. True as a North Star. Severe weather, NBA Finals, Brian Busby, three-leg parlay yep. every single, every single like, May, Once June. you hear that beeping noise and the words oh, yeah. start scrolling across the top of the screen, yeah, you're We've like, got oh, a strong it. front out here in Wyandotte County moving left to right. Um, anyways, so this one I get to, and two things were good science. Well, I guess one thing was there's a guy in the lobby, and I get a random text from a number I don't know, and this guy goes, hey, I think we know each other. Your ex and his, and her brother and I are really close friends. And I'm like, I know that guy. I've hung out with that guy a couple times. And you know, maybe you don't, if you get selected and you know somebody in the room, you guys just point each other out like the Spider-Man meme. You're like, I know him. He knows me. All right. Can't have you in the courtroom. Have a good day. So we knew we had an out. Then they were like, hey, the judge is going to be a little late. She'll be down here in a minute. And I'm thinking to myself, that's either really, really good or that's really, really bad. Because if it's taking her a while to get down here, they're not deciding what they're going to do. So anyways, she comes down. She looks at all of us in the room. It's like 9.15 on a Tuesday. And she's like, I'm happy that all of you have made it out here today. Thank you for doing your civil, civil duty. And some of you are going to like and some of you are not going to like this next thing that I have to say. But I don't need any of you today. Have a great day. And I mean, you'd have thought the Chiefs scored a touchdown. <laughs> like yeah. the whole room was like, "Yeah, oh, sorry." Who is gonna be mad yeah. about not? Oh, you know, there's somebody that was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> I wanted to be the deciding factor. I mean, I'll tell you, this, I'm a big crime, true crime buff. Yeah, home in your bed on Netflix. I have no interest <laughs> yeah. in being a jury. Dude. Oh, dude, no chance. <laughs> By the way, have you watched uh, Lover, Stalker, Murderer on Netflix yet? No crime documentary i have not even heard of it what is this it's uh, i watched it last night number two in the country on netflix but okay. i think those votings are kind of skewed yeah it's number usually like what's, it's usually like what, netflix what's hot at that time <laughs> so yeah. i watched there's two of them that were good i watched one it was called uh american nightmare not about cody Rhodes, but yeah, about I an figured. abduction yeah and then that was good and then a lot of people are like well if you like that you'll like uh it was called lover stalker murderer i think crazy story it's, of course, one of those ones where at the end you're like, I should have paid attention to that part because that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You know? 
Anyways, Chris Sunicero, Dusty Likens with you. Thanks for uh, for tuning in. This is After Hours till 9 o'clock. Josh Vernon will join me at 6.30 in case you missed him earlier today. Vern and I are different than Vern and Cody and Gold. So we'll have a different conversation. We'll talk about Eric Hosmer and a little bit of what his importance was to this city because Chris and I both kind of came up in this industry around the same time when he was. Uh, he was your Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. That's a fact. Yeah, like, he was the 100%. star. He was the star of the city. 100%. I mean, before there was Mahomes and Kelsey was still here, but I mean, it was, man, you were all getting your hair and cut. He was, the he was a legit, like, heartthrob in the oh. city. Women loved him. We'll talk about the Justin Bieber concert in case you forgot that. But one thing I do want to talk about before we get into that and with Vern and Royals and a little bit later, we'll do the out of left field question is, I think we get too attached to teams, Chris. And I don't mean that out of pointing fingers at certain individuals, but we were doing the show on Sunday, uh, Quentin and myself were, and we were talking about what is the inevitable of a championship run and what a dynasty in fact is. And what we have of most recent knowledge is the new England Patriots. And how many times do the new England Patriots keep like the same four or five guys together? That's what they were going to do. They were going to keep Gronk. They were going to keep Brady. They were going to keep, you know, a defensive player on like a linebacker. And they were going to keep a defensive lineman, whether it was Richard Seymour, eventually let him go. But you look at what the chiefs are doing. There is nobody close to what the chiefs are doing. And throughout this process that we follow, which is this dynasty that the chiefs have built is now they are going for the three Pete. Tough things have to happen, just like in life, right? Certain things that maybe you don't want to leave, but you have to do because of a relationship or because of a job movement, whatever it may be, you have to do it and think that with doing this, you put the thought process behind it and you figured things out. I think that's where we're at with the Chiefs. I think there's a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but most people, when Tyreek Hill was traded, there were people that are like, well, what are we going to do now? We don't have Tyreek Hill. And that's a fair assessment to think about. But the problem that a lot of people had had is I think that they just didn't trust what they had in the front office. And that's exactly where we're at again today. And Sunday, somebody wasn't happy with the fact that we talked about the possibility of maybe LeJarius Sneed not being on this team next year. Also, the possibility that maybe Chris Jones isn't on this team next year. We've got some time to think about it. And you've heard Binkley for the last week. He's a knowledgeable source. Chris Unicero is a knowledgeable source when it comes to contracts and players on this team. But you have to be at a sense of, you know, these things are going to happen. You know, these moves are going to be part of the process to keep it all together because the most important part of all of it is your head coach and your quarterback. And those two guys are locked in. In fact, there'll probably be an extension for Andy Reid coming like there was for Spagnola. Like there, it'll it'll probably, it's funny how they went from, is Andy Reid going to retire from basically one source? And then right at the end of the Super Bowl, or right at the Super Bowl Sunday, it was like, hey, Florio, guess what? There's an extension coming. Shut your mouth. But with Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones, both great players, both, in my opinion, should have been all pros. Both of them should have been. But with the process that is a dynasty and in certain situations that you have to make, there are tough decisions that happen. That's just the way life goes, and that's the way this goes. And I think a lot of us get attached, which is fine. Some people call these their guys. Some people call these their boys. Some people call this, this is my team, we, us, whatever it may be. But again, don't be prisoner of the moment. Super Bowls are nice. Parades are great. Ring ceremonies are great. We're going to do it all over again, right? We're going to do it all over. Ring ceremony probably going to happen again. I don't know if Kelsey Jam's happening again. Hopefully. It's kind of fun. But sometimes to keep going, 
you've got to get rid of certain things to make things better in the future. And when you got rid of Tyreek Hill at the time, it was a sting. It hurt because one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in football, was no longer on your roster. But what happened? You won back-to-back Super Bowls, and you did it with a lot of draft picks because you have trust in your GM. And I think that's where we fall short of. We fall too in love maybe with the connection of this roster, which is not a problem. But we also tend to forget that there are four Super Bowls in this franchise now, three in the last six years, ever since 15, Andy Reid and Brett Veach all kind of took over the floor years. I we're in this time in the NFL where the top players in the league are always going to look for market breaking contracts at their position. I mean, we know this from Chris Jones. Chris Jones was asking for like 32, 33 million dollars a year. And right. what no damn way that the Chiefs are going to pay him that much. I mean, no. That's just it's it's not going you're not paying a 30-year-old lineman that much money. You don't know what he's going to do over the life of that contract. So it, it makes a lot of sense that you would let mm-hmm. him walk if that's the number that he wants. Right. And Snead is probably going to command like 20, 21, 22 a year. And maybe he decides to take a little less to stay in Kansas City. I don't know what his prerogative is. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what his priorities are here. But generally in this position, these guys want to be the highest paid player at their position. Right. It is a matter of pride for them. And I don't think it's ever fair to expect them to take less money. So, really, this is a situation. I think we we talked about this at the beginning of the year. If you're the Chiefs, if you're Chiefs fans, you have to be ready to lose both of them. Mm-hmm. I would love if I had a choice. I would keep I would keep Snead over Jones just because he's younger and because I think you can go out and find an adequate replacement uh, for Chris Jones just because Chris Jones is. He's in his thirties, like, and they do get him in his back next year, right? Now, yeah, I know he's got he, the surgery he, today. He just but, had his surgery yeah. today, so we'll see like what his timeline and is that was for ACL, coming back. Right? Yeah, it was ACL. So that's like mid-season next yeah, year. Yeah, so maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could come back earlier. He just could, like this year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he could come back earlier than normal, Who knows? or it could be middle of the season. You don't know. Right. It's it's kind of hard to tell, but. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's just like you, we have to be prepared to lose guys like this mm-hmm. just because the price is going to go up. Teams are going to try to get those guys away from the Chiefs. And mm-hmm. on top of that, when you are paying your quarterback as much as you are, and though I, I think we both know they're going to restructure that contract, take some of that money away. Every year. It's still a massive cap hit. Mm-hmm. And you have to prepare for future for the future. Because you got some other guys coming up for contracts next year. You got Nick Bolton, right. you got Trey Smith, you got Creed Humphrey. You got to make some tough decisions there too, and you can't pay everybody. This right. isn't Madden. Not everyone's going to take a good deal, so yeah, you can't take tra- fair trades right. off. Yeah, you you can't just force a trade and get whatever you want. Right. It's this is a situation where, in all likelihood, you're probably going to lose one or both of Jones and Snead, and you're just going to have to find a way to work around it. Mike Giannetti was on the drive last week. For those of asking on the text line, what a contract looks like for Jones. It's insane. Yeah, it starts at four for 120. You know, we're, we're getting them back to that $30 million mark. Nick Bosa's contract has only pushed things for, further. So I, I think we're going to be at four, four years at $32 million per year. Two years fully guaranteed, and that third year vests with some with some 2025 incentives. But it's uh it's going to be big, it's going to be huge, and uh, whoever gets them is going to get two really strong years of a defensive interior alignment. So that's Chris Jones's contract. Look, Mike Genetti, you know, kind of knows the business. Four for 125 is where it starts. Yeah, and I there ain't. I'm going to tell you this right now. If I was Brevich, 
Ain't no damn way I'm paying Chris Jones we four all know for how one, Brett, 125. And we know how Beach works. He doesn't give up no, a contract. He like, like when, when Drew Rosenhaus came to him, it was like, we want 30 for, for Tyreek. He was like, good. You take your ass down to South Beach, bro. We yeah, don't they, need it. They were going to give him 23, and then Devontae <laughs> yeah. Adams was like, well, I'm going to get 28. And it was yeah. like, whoa. It was like, nah, you can take them talents to South Beach. We good. We can get five picks out you, and we can go win the Super Bowl. The reason why I think the other part is why I would agree, to, and we can bring this back up later because we're running against the clock, but I, we'll bring this up again in like the 8 o'clock session. But one thing I'll tell you why I think it's more plausible that you don't, or plausible that you don't see both these guys come back is that you look at the NFL today, like Chris Jones will get money. Somebody's going to pay Chris Jones. The other thing is Chris Jones has three Super Bowl rings with the Chiefs. There's really not a whole lot more that Chris Jones can prove other than what? Get the bag. We all respect that, right? Like, respect your time in Kansas City. You'll be in the ring of honor. You know, you'll have your day. You've won three titles. Go get the bag. Set yourself up for the rest of your life. Who knows? You might get signed by a West Coast team, get a bunch of deals and endorsements outside of Kansas City. You got a few already. Not only that, what has become the most important position outside of quarterback in the NFL? Wide pass, receiver? Pass rusher, probably. Pass rusher, then wide receiver? Yeah. So the second and the third most important positions on the field that she's basically have as free agents this year. Because every team, essentially except maybe five, has a number one gut shot wide receiver. And what was one of the one things LeJarius needed all year? Shut down every single wide receiver one. Guess what team needs are now in the NFL? Wide receiver cornerbacks that can stop a wide receiver one. So somebody is going to be like, the hell with it. We got money. We'll go give a ton of money to LeJarius Sneed. LeJarius Sneed's got two Super Bowls as well. Maybe three? I think he's got two. 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 I mean, go get the bag. I'm not I, mad about it. I'll never be mad at any of these. That's why I wasn't you mad at Tyreek. I wasn't mad at Tyreek for wanting to go get paid because, hey, man, this all of us would love to go and make the most money that we can wherever we can make it. Yeah. So I'm not going to be mad at any player for going out there and chasing the bag because no. that's what all of us, most of us would do in, in if we were in their shoes anyway. Let alone there's only one position that chases rings in the sport. That's quarterback. He ain't going anywhere. The other guys, two, three, like Tyree got a Super Bowl. Would he love another one? Probably. I'm not speaking for him or trying to, I th- I think but he, he got one. I think he would, but he got his one. And he got a ton of money. Yeah. And he lives in South Beach. He, he already had a home there. And With so seven kids, he was very apparently. familiar. Does he have seven kids? I think he's got full. I think he's at six. He's, yeah. I don't know. He's up there. Yeah, uh, you know, he's expensive. a busy man. He's a busy man. Uh, coming to the other side, there's a new coach in the AFC West. Uh, dumb, dumb, dumb quote. We'll get to that on the other side. Plus, Josh Verner at 630. This after hours, Christian Osero and Dusty Lake. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Back here, quick segment. We'll revisit again in the 8 o'clock hour because that's what you do with three-hour shows. You have time to do that. When you have good discussions and chemistry with co-hosts, then you can kind of... You can call an audible, um, but I do want to touch base on it for a little bit before we get to Josh Verner at 630, which sometimes, I don't know, our relationship is fun because I never know if Vern's serious, but sometimes I do. But uh, there are things that you can do to make an impression on people that are good, right? Right. There's some times in radio where it's like, hey, we don't really have any other option. We're going to throw you on the air tonight from 7 to 9. Good luck. And sometimes that works out. Sometimes you 
you know, draft Brock Purdy in the seventh round and it works out until you play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Sometimes you make a good impression. Sometimes you don't. And uh, Antonio Pierce, I don't know if this was the, the right way to use an analogy. You got the Jordan rules, and we, we, I'm calling now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his Anytime he came to the hole, elbows, yeah. filling them, love taps. We touched them. We in the head mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. So I show those guys Jordan getting his whooped. I don't know if that's it, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the, the comparison that you should do. Not only that, you've now, and I'm not trying to, you know, jump into next season, even though it sounds like it. But now you know that that audio is saved. It is saved in this system. It is saved in the Chiefs system. And now you're essentially saying we need to just go hurt Patrick Mahomes to give ourselves a chance. Not smart. I just... Didn't why do people not learn this lesson? He's gonna touch you spiritually. Why would you say anything to piss off Patrick Mahomes? I don't know a single thing. If I were an opposing coach, if I were an opposing player, Mm -hmm. I would be as complimentary of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as possible. If you and and if if you don't believe me, look at the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Chiefs don't really talk a lot of trash before the game. No. They are very courteous. Andy's got the same speech for every team they play. They could play a middle school team. He's like, uh, we look forward to the challenge of playing this middle yep. school team. They're a good football team. Right. Like, I mean, he's lying through his teeth sometimes, mm-hmm. and he still says the same thing. Oh, yeah. Because he does not want – and, and Colin Saunders said this before the Ravens game. He's like, Andy was very strict about bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. Did not want any of his players doing that. Nope. Why would you do anything? I, and I understand trying to re- bring back the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Why would you give bullet to board material to that guy? Not only that, but he's sitting on a couch next to Max Crosby. And you got to think at some point, Max is going like, you dumbass. No, he probably <laughs> likes it because he antagonizes yeah, Mahomes too. He but tries. Like, but why would you do that? Like, I don't know. There are stories mm-hmm. on YouTube yeah. from players about what happens when you talk trash to, to Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. It didn't end well. It never does. And so why would you? This is the the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Why would you do this to him? And I think that's where he got caught. Is like he took the Michael Jordan of the NFL narrative and was like, oh, well, you know, they used to bull. In basketball, you can do that or you could do that. And then he beat the Pistons and then he had a dynasty where he had two three Pete. Yeah. Like, why would you do that to him? And what's crazy is who's the who's the DN they drafted last year in the draft in the first round? Uh, oh, um Texas Tech. Texas Tech, I can't remember his name. I remember the question I asked went viral on TikTok. And I'd never gone viral on TikTok. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. And somebody had asked the first question, said, What's the most Exciting thing about going into the NFL, playing in the AFC West for the Raiders. He was like, going against Patrick Mahomes. And then the next guy goes, who's the one quarterback that you'd love to get a sack against in the NFL next year? And he was like, Patrick Mahomes. Tyree Wilson is the the guy. I then raised my hand, and I said, do you have anything to say to Patrick Mahomes? He goes, no, no, I do not. And the whole room erupted in laughter because everybody's like, that's a smart kid. And yet here's his coach. Here's his coach 
saying that he's going to implement imply the Jordan rule on Patrick Mahomes. He's going to touch him mentally, spiritually, physically. I mean, Good just luck. ask the Ravens what happened, man. Good luck. They got beat on their own in their own home field, mm-hmm. and they tried to antagonize him before the game. They were antagonizing Chiefs players during the game. And they got a bunch of penalties from it, and they allowed the Chiefs to get all the points they needed to win. Let me know when the first Raiders-Chiefs game is next year, and I'll take the alternate spread of 35. Man, just <laughs> just don't do that, man. Gruden tried this, Ugh. and they blew him out twice after yeah. they did the, the ride-around arrowhead. Yeah. Why would you do that? Uh. Don't. This ain't the team. You want to do that to Denver? Cool. You want to do that to, to the Chargers? Cool. Don't do that to the Chiefs. The That's Ro- a terrible idea. The Royals play baseball very soon. I'm excited whether you believe me or not baseball is my number one i enjoy it so much the reason why also is because josh vernier the true love of my life he'll join us on the other side of this break this is after hours on 610 sports radio you're listening to after hours with dusty Likens on 610 sports radio and the odyssey app brought to you by twin peaks eats drinks scenic views Who's changing the names up here? But this says that we are now joined by Vern, the fantasy football guru. So that's nice. And that's not me trying to say that I'm going to pull the Jordan rule on uh, Josh Vernier. I know better than that. But Vern, how are you, man? We are uh, we are officially done with football season. We roll right into baseball season. I couldn't be more happier about it. Well, I'm happy to hear that because the NFL sure does have a stranglehold on the sports entertainment landscape because, you know, the, the the draft conversation, mm-hmm. the Cowboys are always top of mind. Justin Fields, it's 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 always block a stuff. Yeah, but you know, for me, once all that's over with, I want something new. You know, I I don't I don't need to watch. I think you should leave for a fourth time on Netflix. I'll try something new, and it'll be it'll be a different experience. So when I when I scroll through Twitter and I see the top twenty. Uh, list of baseball players 20 through 11 right before they do the top 10. That's normally how math works. And I see Bobby Wood Jr.'s name on the same list with Bryce Harper. Vern, you know where I'm at with Bryce Harper. And when they put Bobby Wood Jr. on the same sort of tiers as playing first base now, I understand it's not the same Bryce Harper that I grew up watching, but, I mean, here we are. Yeah, right. No, I'm I'm with you 100%. He's eight spots away from Mike Trout. Yeah. What you're talking about is very similar to conversations like this you and I have had for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Hughley and I had for years where you, you would just, I would sense the frustration from a lifelong Royals fan that we've never had that player here. I understand the generation before had George Brett, the generation before that had Satchel Page and Jackie Robinson, but we haven't had that player. The Angels are wasting Mike Trout. Uh, Bryce Harper goes to Washington. You're seeing every other team get that player. And, yeah, he's here. And he likes it here so much that he said, I'm in. I'll give you my 30s. Or, excuse me, I'll give you my 20s. Understand this, Dusty. Uh, baseball's come a long way since Alex Gordon got that contract mm-hmm. uh, just a decade ago. You don't pay for the 30s anymore. Now, superstar players will still get their money, uh, but but when you're going to cash in is 
in your 20s. And Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, buys what the Royals are selling so much so that he gave this organization his 20. So I understand the excitement. Now my question for you is, what do they need to deliver in the first two months of the season? Do you just want them to hang around, or do you need them to make a statement out of the gate? I think it depends on what that statement is. Like, is there a couple of, I don't want to say the word milestone, but kind of like hammer down wins where you go out and you you sweep a team, you know, twice in the first you know month where it's like, you know, you won, you won that series and you outscored that team 18 to 7 and you won three games and everything was great. I think the other thing that's really got me kind of juiced up for this season is that you've got kind of every piece in order of where you think it's going to be. And one of the biggest question marks we have is, is Cole Reagans and what that guy is going to look like this year. Cause look, I'm no stranger to the streets, right? Like he's now been in the league. He's thrown very good for several months in the league. And now there's video. Now there's tendencies. Now people have picked things up. How do you adjust to the adjusted? I mean, where I'm at, and I know a lot of people are, you know, they're talking to me on the side at, at my other job, and they're, you know, I think this team can make it to September with competitive baseball, and I'm I'm pulling my Vern card as best I can and say, let's, let's just get to July and not be completely out of it, and then we can, as, we can assess from there because in the last three to four years, four or five years, it's been, we get to July, and it's like, well, when are the Chiefs report? And if we're talking about the Royals at a consistent level, at July, where we're not saying, "Oh, is it almost St. Joe time yet?" Then I'm in. Then I'm. Then I'm. I'm. I'm, an, I'm already basically all in. But I would think that at that point, the city should be all in as well. Yeah, your point about Cole Reagan's is dead on. To to me, he's going to be kind of the weather vane for the season. However, he's going. I think the team is going to follow. If he's what he was in the final two months of last season, there's no reason why this team can't compete for the division title. If he's good, uh, there's no reason why this team can't, like you're talking about, play important games in July. If he's bad, well, then your eyes will start to turn back to Brady Singer, who is going very unheralded going into this spring, going into this season. Uh, I understand no one's interested in hearing explanations because they often sound like excuses. Mm-hmm. But you look at the past two spring trainings for Brady Singer, anything but um, what most big league pitchers would call normal. I think he, well, as of now, he has a chance to have a very normal spring training. So, look, Cole Reagan's no doubt. Cole Reagan's is one of, if not the most important royal for 2024. Uh, But Brady Singer isn't far behind. Let's not forget, and I understand the organization was at a different spot two years ago, but two years ago, the way that some feel about Cole Reagans is how some felt about Brady Singer. Mm -hmm. It's still in there, maybe not to lead a rotation into the postseason, but to be a a, a key cog in a postseason team, no doubt Brady Singer can be that. When we get closer and closer to the season, obviously Arizona is a thing. And next thing you know, we'll be playing baseball in 35 degree temperatures at the K, which is whatever we're used to it at this point. But what is like, I I feel like there's a lot of people that are now back into that. Maybe they're not back into it. They've been into it, but it's kind of that. Yeah. Well, you know, you kind of asked me the question, like, what are they going to have to do or what are, where are they going to have to show you in order to kind of give it? And I think a lot of people could be unfair that, 
one of the biggest questions a lot of people said is like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll try to follow this team. They got to prove to me that they want to win. They need to make moves in the offseason. There was no busier team in the offseason than the Kansas City Royals. Not only that, they did something that you had already mentioned. They signed your superstar. Like, this guy is not going out to another team in two years, and you're not getting back a bag of chips, some peanuts, and some leftover Binkley nachos. You're actually going to get this player from the age of 23 to the age of 27, 28. And that, like you said, is prime baseball. I think the team has done exactly what the city has asked of it to do. Now, again, there are two sides of this sort of thing. You got to do what they ask, and then you kind of got to produce as well. So right. but you would think with the numbers and the way that you've done it with your wallet and your checkbook that it's going to be kind of hard to fall flat on your face, that this should be somewhat of a different sort of narrative of a season as the city should feel a little bit of excitement. I'm not saying that opening day is going to sell out. The Bobby Wood Jr. bobblehead might help with that, but this does seem like the first time since maybe to me the 2017 season where a lot of people can sit back and say, all right, you know what? Seven o'clock Friday night. Let's see what this team can do. And then all of a sudden, like last year, you coined it as a campfire. Maybe this campfire gets lit earlier and stays lit for a little bit longer as well. Well, it never got lit last season. That's the issue. So it's on the team to light it. And for as much as we want to believe that signing Bobby to that contract or spending $110 million elsewhere lights the fire. If they come out on opening day and lose 3-1 and the offense looks punchless, uh, okay, uh, you better win the next day uh, or else, yeah, you know what? I think I'd rather hear about Justin Fields and Caleb Williams and, and talk Chicago Bears. Listen, there's no arguing that this is the most anticipated season since 2017. But that's not saying a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really not. that. 2018 and 19, you knew they were going to stink, and we were all cool with it. 2020, no one understood what was going on with anything. 2021, there was some excitement. Year two of Mike Matheny, but that was still people uh, tuning in with their arms crossed, waiting for you to prove something to them. Even when they got off to the best start in Major League Baseball, they were the best team in April of 2021. Most people don't remember that because it was given away so quickly. So even if the Royals have a solid April, solid, if they have a great April, okay, yes, the city's going to be on fire. But if they just have a solid April, those arms are still going to be crossed and understandably so. To me, the goal is maintained through May. I think they have the pitching to do it. I, I I'm hopeful they have the run producers to do it. I know today you were asked your favorite Hosmer memory. I think I, I don't even know if I listened. I don't think I listened to it at all. I feel like I probably know what it was without listening. Was it the, after making the air, the, the joy and excitement that he's had when Gordon hit the home run? Did I get it right? Yeah, that's, that to me is my favorite moment of that Uh entire run. To me, that moment kind of encapsulates, who and what that team was. But to me, Eric Hosmer, it's such an interesting career because no matter what aspect you you talk about with him, it's easy to detract. Well, he wasn't this, he wasn't that. But there's always a but because you've got to acknowledge, yes, he only made one All-Star game, but he was the MVP of that All-Star game. Uh, He wasn't always great, but he had legendary moments. 
the World Baseball Classic, uh, the walk-up crowd in his debut, hitting his first home run at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Regular season, he wasn't great, but he had legendary moments. His final regular season game at Kansas City going opposite field in the first inning after walking up to Fetty Wap and coming off, uh, hitting home plate, and Moose is there to greet him. Again, he he wasn't always great, but he had legendary moments in the postseason. uh, Like you're talking about game one, Mm -hmm. the home run against the Astros that put away that comeback in game four. Uh, Game two, where he puts the backpack on and the Royals' improbable run continues in Anaheim against the Angels. Uh, He wasn't great. No, I mean, some could say it was a disappointing career, but with that many legendary moments, there's no way you can say that was a disappointing career. Yeah, I think the one thing that popped in my head today that I wanted to ask you is what do you think his best asset was? It started off as his glove at the big league level and then i think it turned into his leadership his presence i don't think it's a surprise that the padres nose dived Uh, once they parted with him they brought him there to be the glue guy and then when they got on the cusp they got rid of him and well that organization hasn't been the same so i'd start off with the glove but then i thought it turned into his his leadership for for as solid as he was on the field he was the he was the guy. You were there, Dusty. Mm-hmm. He was the guy in that locker room. And Whit Merrifield took notes. You know, the, the leaders that Salvador Perez took notes. Uh, he was the guy that bridged everyone together. So, yeah, I'd say the leadership is where it ends with him. I love you so much because that's what I told everybody today. I said, you know, what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, you don't get all your numbers from somebody on the back of a baseball card. And there's a lot of people in that locker room that would have fallen on a grenade for Eric Hosmer because of the leadership quality that he has. The other thing is he got the girl, too, which is very impressive, which humbled me one day, which is a side story. I thought she, uh, Miss McDonald at the time, now Miss Hosmer, I thought she double-takes your boy, Dusty. Turns out Eric was just right behind me, and she was looking at him. Was this one of those celebration nights down at PNL? No, this was just like a random win in like 2015. Oh. And I was walking down through the hallway to coming out of the, the manager press conference. And like she was in front of me, she turned back around and then did it again. And I was like, that's right. You just feeling yourself there. And this was back when I was still so a lot fatter. <laughs> you were being a skis. Yes. And I thought she was looking at me. And then I turned around. And I see this like gorgeous, you know, human being behind me with a perfect haircut. I'm like, that's why she looked twice. I need to go, you know, somewhere else. He thought he had the juice yeah. there. <laughs> Excited to hear from Hosmer tomorrow morning on uh, Fesco. Going to be on with them, I think, at like 8.30. 9 p.m. or 9 a.m. They changed it. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Okay, 9 great. Hey, Vern, thanks for the time. I'll talk to you some more. Hey, tomorrow, speaking of tomorrow, hot stove, baby. It's back. Is tomorrow the first night? Yeah. Uh, hitting coach Alex Zumwalt, uh, outfielder Drew Waters, and uh, hoping to have Michael Walk on the show as well. You can let Drew Waters know that I'm his biggest fan. I will. I'll okay. tell him. I root for him every game. I think he could be a superstar. I really do believe that. I Vern. like him too. I'm a fan, yeah. Thanks for the time, man. Take it easy. We can't wait for baseball season to ramp up. All right, buddy. Later. Josh Vernier, Royals Insider. Coming up on the other side, we'll piggyback off that because I know Unicero's got a time and I've got a time of what Hosmer meant to this team, this city, and this radio station a lot. I'll give you my story. Maybe he's got one for you as well. This is 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Heavy bass. 
bass there. I'm all about that bass. My buddy had a Honda Sonata in high school. And I don't know the numbers, but I want to say he had two 30s. Maybe that's too much, but I want to say it was something like that. Oh, it was rumbling, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It was like a massage in the back. Yeah. You couldn't even hear the words. You just yeah. heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, them subs was out here oh, bumping. Oh, man. Yeah. I always, I never called shotgun in that car. I always yeah. like, I'll sit in the back. My, my dad's a big audiophile, so he always puts in a nice sound system oh, in any vehicles him. that yeah. he does. Yeah, yeah, no. Some of them songs, when mm-hmm. they turn the bass up real high, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it just rumbles there was, throughout the whole vehicle. The only time I ever, and this is my buddy who had the subs, he was definitely more into, like, the urban culture of music of, like, rap, beats, and all that. Right. And I remember one time I was like, hey, I think there's a really good, like, bass drop in this Bleak 182 song. And he was like, no way. And I was like, no, dude, it's uh, Feeling This. And it's like the second time when they're like, yeah, there is a, it is and a, it's like, yeah. And yeah, he hit it. it he was like, dude, you're not lying. Yeah, I was like, I told there you. Is a, there is a pretty hard bass drop oh, in that it, song. Oh, it is. Because the first time they do the chorus, it's minor. It's it's a little minute. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty Then small. the second time they hit yeah. it, you're like, oh. It rumbles. Okay. And it's got this echo to it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was there, but. Yeah, no, I've I've heard that song enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's there. It's like, it exists. Well, I was like, all right, there you go. See? punk rock and get in the car sometimes um we just talked to Vern, uh our royals insider here at 610 sports Radio. he'll be on before me tomorrow night at six o'clock uh for Vern's hot stove show one 2024 season hard to think it's like we go from pete sweeney every day on the air to josh vernier you never see the two in the same room same person i don't know uh we talk about eric hosmer we talk about moments uh we talk about greatness that was the fun time of eric hosmer and like we had mentioned earlier in the show kind of in the open, that he was kind of the first new wave of superstars in the city. It was kind of fun to see. Like, he had the haircut. Everybody loved him. Uh, He was probably your mother's favorite player. He was definitely probably your girlfriend's favorite player, your wife's favorite player. He had all the qualities. He was a dude. He was a, a, a player. He was a leader. And I'll never forget. And I started this job in 2015. I interned here in 2014. I started this job in 2015, was damn near fired, then rehired. Uh, Long story, kind of funny, actually. And I remember the next year, 2017, when it was basically the last year of the Royals like team, when they had all the players out there for one last moment, and they let us go into the locker room a little earlier. And I was like, okay, this is Eric Hosmer, the biggest athlete in the city, Uh, you know, probably one of the most followed athletes, one of the most looked after athletes, kids' favorite player, everybody's. And I remember just going over there, he was sitting in his locker room, and here I am, you know, just a fat radio new guy. And I was like, hey, Mr. Hosmer, I don't know why I called him Mr. And I said, do you have five minutes? And he just looked at me, and he goes, yeah, I do, actually. And he stood up, and I just asked him. I still have the interview on my phone. I probably should have cut it and played it. But it's too long. It's like five minutes. So basically just said what Casey meant to him, what it was for him, and gave me the time out of his day as a superstar at the time, knowing that he was about to get $170 million from another team, and gave me all the time in the world, gave me all I needed, gave me all the questions I wanted, and he was like, basically, it was like, is that everything? Yeah, that's everything I got. I appreciate it. And it was just a nice, genuine dude. And when you do this job and you're fortunate enough to have the ability, availabilities and the openings that you can have with certain professional teams, when you get a guy like a Hosmer, that treats you with respect when they don't necessarily always do or always have to. He was that dude for me. And he's one of those guys. When people ask me about players because of what I do, they'll be like, how was player a, how was player B? And I'll give you my opinion if I know him. And then they'll be like, always, how was Hosmer? 
great. A real classy dude, never had any issues, was professional, and just super nice. Like, would hold the door open for you if you walked in behind him in the locker room. That kind of guy. So, Hosmer will always kind of have, in this profession, for me at least, following these type of teams, he'll always kind of be a real one, I guess is the way that I could say that. He was always the first guy that the media would flock to in the clubhouse. He was someone that was always surrounded by media mm-hmm. members. He he was willing to answer the tough questions when they were presented to him. Always professional. One of the nicest dudes out there. I think the only person I think was nicer than him was Salvi. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was just, like I said, he was everyone's favorite there besides Salvi. And, um, yeah, he was, like I said, he was class act. Uh, he was very much the heartthrob type player. The women oh, loved yeah. him, and that really kind of added to his popularity. But, I mean, you knew when they drafted him, like, okay, they, they got a superstar type. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he finally when it finally clicked for him in the 14 playoffs, when they finally made the playoffs, um, it, it, you just felt it. You just saw it throughout that playoff run. Like, he's, he's found it now. He's figured it out. And uh, that, that run through the playoffs in 14 and then – uh, the way they played in 15, he was so instrumental to that. The and, slide. Yeah, like so important for that World Series title that they won in 15. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate to see his career, you know, kind of flame out. Uh, I mean, especially because he's not even in his 40s. So right. it's unfortunate. But still at the 13 same, active years in the MLB. Yeah, still had a nice long career, made a lot of money, had a lot of success there, obviously won a title here. Yeah. So, you know, wish him the best in his retirement. Yeah, he was a he was a real one. That's for sure. He was one of those, you know. There's a lot of people that have ran into what they say. Don't meet your heroes. Yeah, like he's one of those guys. If you were to, because what was the story? Uh, it was at like a Bieber concert, and Gordon and Holland and him and somebody else were there, and they pushed him out front because all the girls like flocked yeah. towards him. Oh yeah, they and loved then they him. all yeah. were able to get to their sidecar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure they pushed him, or was this like Hosmer flexing his? Because this was before Casey. <laughs> And you know he probably went out there and was like, I'll see what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I think they probably pushed him. Okay. I don't think – he wasn't the kind of guy that was, like, outward about it, but he yeah. knew. He knew. Yeah, he had that – he had that. He uh, had the charm. You kind of have to have it when you have that sort of situation. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but, no, this was, uh, this was Eric Cosmer today as we'll play you into break. There's a lot of bad media out there right now, and there's a lot of good media out there as well, but there's so much of it. Throughout my career, I've been – in a lot of relatable situations to guys. You know, I've been the the highly touted prospect, the big draft pick, but at the same time, I've been the guy, the bottom guy on the totem pole. In Kansas City, I was I was the young guy. I couldn't do anything wrong in Kansas City. You know, they loved me out there. When I went to San Diego, I'll be the first to admit the performance wasn't what I wanted it to be, wasn't what I envisioned it to be. But at the same time, you know, some of the stuff that was being being written or some of the stuff that I read or people had tell me was, you know, I wasn't I wasn't doing that due diligence in the locker room. I was actually doing the opposite, pulling people apart. And that's something to me where I felt like I was on an island right there. Like, I want to tell my story. I want to be able to tell people what's what's going on here, what's really happening. But I just didn't have that platform. And I feel like baseball players in general don't have that platform. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.